Briggs. It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> this is Joe Bob Briggs. This is Jeffrey Combs. Hey, this is Scotty from Anthrax. Hi, you're listening to Adrienne Barbeau. Hi, this is Doc Bradley. You're listening to Quality Time. You're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Broadcast. And you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Podcast. I'm saying this under duress. You better keep listening or I will tear your soul apart. There was so much pre-show we missed that was good that I'm a little bit upset. The rest of the show isn't going to be as good as the last two laughs that we just had. But I'm excited either way. Ashley looks fed up. I'm ready to fucking turn up. Welcome to Quality Time. Uh, I'm your host, Eric Woodworth. And I got an amazing episode on the docket for y'all today. Um, first and foremost, I'd like to introduce my blood and my brother, Jeremy P. Woodworth. Jeremy, how are you? Oh, you were frozen. Okay. I like that lag that lasted for like literally three seconds. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. Tight, tight. No, it sounded good on my end because I record locally. So only you guys will be fucked in the end. You literally just stop for three seconds and just like. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeremy, welcome to the program. What are you talking to <laughs> It's the laziest. This is the laziest I've ever heard you do that. I'm sorry. Who's on the program? It's me, Mackay Pfeiffer. Oh my God, <laughs> Mackay Pfeiffer from Eight Mile. Oh yeah, yeah, you know Eminem sings about me. Yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Uh, All right, uh, I like that. I like that Mackay Pfeiffer. Mackay, I loved you in um, what was that dancing movie you were in? I don't even remember. Uh, it was Get It Up. Give it up. Get it, get it up. Yeah. Get it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember. Get it up. <laughs> Yeah, it was a great movie. Oh, by the way, I help white people in movies. Help them, <laughs> help, help them shoot the dead. So, you know, Mackay Pfeiffer's character is really great in uh, I I uh, in a uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm, really I'm second only to Morgan Freeman helping white people. <laughs> well, thank you, Mackay. We're gonna look for some of your deep input about the uh, film we're going over later today. Uh, but also, let me do so the uh, the very lovely, very talented, our hostess with the most test. Miss Ashley Pontius. Ashley, how are you? I'm here, Daddy. How are you? You've had a bit of a of a day. Could you tell some folks about not maybe not where you went necessarily, but where what what happened on your way to this? Because I was personally a little bit blown away. I got a call about this this morning, and I I while you go ahead, you just the floor is yours. So. Yeah, I'm going to touch on that for a second. Yeah, I I don't know what's wrong with me that I call Eric in times of a crisis, fully knowing not only he can't, but he would love to not help because he likes to watch. <laughs> so I don't know why. I don't know why I call him. Literally, I could be shot dying and still call him and he's like that's hilarious yo um, yo hit yo hit live stream and get close to the bullet wound 
just don't know why I keep putting my faith in this chalupa of a person. But, uh, <laughs> but so um, I called Eric. That's not the first time I've been called a chalupa. <laughs> You're my little chalupa. Drip everywhere. So um, I, I had a, a rough morning. So I went to go visit a friend. Uh, I was like two hours away in Baltimore. Obviously, it's far from me. Um, I'm getting ready to leave my town. I'm on the road. I'm thinking about my life and the choices that have gotten me here. And all of a sudden, uh, it happens uh, out of nowhere. A car coming the other direction gets clobbered by a car coming from across the street. And so you actually see you see the accident occur. I'm the next car. Okay, I'm the next car. So wild. You know, yeah, I'm a little. I drive off the road. You know, a little shaken, but. It's a bad enough wreck that I immediately abandon my car and go to the driver. Not a, at least a, while his adrenaline is pumping, not a scratch on him. We get him out of the driver's seat, call the ambulance and everything. But as the ambulance is being called and we're checking him out, we hear someone scream, run. And we start running because the car is catching on fire and we can hear the parts starting to ignite. And we get, we run far enough and the car explodes. Uh, So that. (laughs) That's amazing. Like, and I'm sorry. So about this time, uh, Ashley called me and I guess I'm not handling with a level of care of somebody who's just survived a traumatic experience of a car exploding. I was just like, I immediately went, oh my God, how badass was it? uh, I don't even and now in retrospect I don't even remember asking if she was okay I was like oh my god that's so cool (laughs) I I thought I had peed myself when I calmed down because I felt wet in my pants and I thought I peed out of fear I had been holding my coffee and I didn't realize it and I had spilled it all over me Um, I mean like I wasn't hurt by my coffee I mean I was fine but I just I didn't even I thought I peed myself until I looked down at what had actually happened so yeah you know it was a it was a wild, uh, wild morning. The idea that I could have died and uh, I spent all afternoon thinking, wasn't that exciting of a life? You know, I really could have just gone up in an instant. <laughs> wouldn't have mattered. What if uh, now when you were when how how far away from the exploding car would you say you were uh, when it, By the when time it I got away from it? Yeah. No, two. So two questions. I guess were you were you still in the process of of getting further away from it when it exploded? So you're like sprinting, or were you like I think I'm good here? You looked back and went shit. I had stopped. I even have a picture. I took a picture of the car already on fire, and then after I snapped it, I heard and I go, "What's that noise?" And just just goes up. So that was scary. Um, I at the original part of again the impact i was probably seconds from myself being involved in the accident which would not been great um but once we were told to run it was probably with i don't know like 10 seconds or so after i stopped running that the car exploded now the car exploded was it a pinto (laughs) (laughs) you know i i don't know the the brand of car but you know, isn't it wild to think you were on your way to fight with your baby mama and then 10 minutes later you have no car? 
Yeah, that's got to be wild. Also, I would definitely take a picture of that. It's like, sorry, I'm not going to make it. (laughs) I'm going to be a little late today. Yeah, like you have no car. It's not just totaled. Your car is a bonfire. You should like. <laughs> I would set it like if my car exploded, I would take a picture of it. Like, hey, I think there's something wrong with the battery. I can't get it to turn over. <laughs> can I also point out? <laughs> can I also point out though that until first responders arrived in time to put out this fire and help with the situation, we're constantly those of us who got away who were there are trying to reroute cars. Like, don't come here. It, there's a fire in the middle of the road. Like, don't, don't go this way. And of course, there's always these drivers. I'm like, well, I have to go that way. So I'm just going to skirt around it. And I'm like, no, it's um, the road's I, on fire. I have four-wheel hey. drive, ma'am. It'll be fine. <laughs> My minivan is fine. I need to be at church by 10 a.m. And I'm just like, I don't. All right, go for it. I don't give a shit. The like, GPS doesn't know how to reroute me around fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny all the amish came out of their houses too because they live in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and the amish people are just like that's what you get for technology <laughs> yeah i haven't had a horse explode in 12 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a, it was a wild morning i'm just now like you know i just got home just processing uh that that, that happened this morning that was something that happened that was real you know the worst thing about any car fire you just don't have, you know, those graham crackers and marshmallows that you wish you had in the car to enjoy it. Jeremy, you're, you're a little really... quiet. Your hair quiet if you can get a little louder as we go here. How's that? Is that Perfect. better? It's much better. That's good. Yeah, I just don't really like the taste of gasoline in my in my s'mores, but that's just me. I dig that. Um, so, uh, wow. Well, we're glad you're, you're safe, Ashley. That's the most important part. Have you calmed down over it? Are you still a little bit shaky about the whole morning's no, events? No, I cried on the way in the door. <laughs> about the... Uh, what, where, wait a minute. Was it about that or was it about other things? Not that we have to bring it, it up. It's literally everything. Today's been a tough day. Today is a tough day. Okay. I'm deep in denial. Um, I'm shitting knives because I got upset. So then my bowels don't work. So now my butthole is like, we're going to make your insides feel like your outsides. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> um, I have a new name for your, uh, for your stomach problem. It's called the purge. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm excited that you're you're okay. You're doing well. Uh, me and Ashley partook in one of the worst comedy virtual shows I've ever experienced in my life. Um, it was god tier fucking bad. Uh, it was so bad that first, Jeremy, we got we got fucking harassed. I uh, the host said she was going to do like three minutes up front or a couple minutes up front, which I assume was like five to seven. Hey, she got fucking de- destroyed by this audience for like five, like three minutes. And they were like, all right, this guy's from Maryland. His name's Eric. And I was like, sweet, this is not going to go good. This is not going to go well. So, uh, no, I, it, it was, and then Ashley fucking, you got up there and they were fucking brutal to you. But luckily internet connection cut out and saved you from the rest of whatever was about to happen because that, that shit it was like i when i saw you disappear off of the stage i was just like 
it's better this way. It's better this way. That's 100% (laughs) how I, how I felt. I, I felt bad for Eric because Eric was up there doing his best and he already told me later that he was like they just were so difficult that i was just like fuck it i'm gonna do whatever i want but while it's happening you see these virtual bodies leaving the room they're like i want to go do something else and again remember in vr it's not like you hear people whispering it's as if they're standing next to you whispering in your ear i think you fucking suck i'm going to leave yeah literally they'll just tell you you fucking suck (laughs) hey this girl got up mid-set and just left and i was just like oh it was a kid was the fucking kid fucking joke that that's the one that broke you and i did get some laughs mentioning that she was leaving though and that was fun so uh, i that if there was one highlight in that in that fucking six minutes of pure anxiety it was that for sure i felt so so bad it was so nice of eric to come (laughs) yeah Well, it was. I was glad you came. I wanted you to come, and then I feel bad because I'm the one that's like, Eric, you should come do this with me. And then, <laughs> I will say though, this was uh this was the Facebook run uh Horizon Worlds, which I've mm-hmm. usually used Alt Space VR. Alt Space VR is a lot better. The controls of like how you're amplified versus everyone else are very different. Yes. Uh, although I will say the mechanics in Horizons is much cooler. So eventually when they work that out, and I think it is, Horizons could be better. They just need to have the same kind of controls where you can just shut people up. And I think the big yes. thing a big thing of it is the ability to uh, be able to do like emojicon laughter and stuff like that, because then you can sh- be in a party and shoot the shit with your friends the whole time you're yes. talking anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. So anyway, that's boring and stupid and we'll shut up about it from here. Um, <laughs> but, oh, I forgot the one thing you didn't see, Ashley, uh, okay. is that after you left, the, the host gets back up. She's getting fucking heckled, getting destroyed. I'm around Death the corner because I can't even watch it. I can't even watch yeah. it anymore. And so they sent Chris Lawrence up. Or not Chris Lawrence, Glenn Lawrence. There you go. Glenn? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Glenn Lawrence? Yeah. So Glenn yeah, Lawrence. Glenn Lawrence, two very different people. They're very, they're, I thought they were brothers. Um, but apparently just one is. So uh, we... <laughs> because glenn has been on our show i know on the ring episode i've met glenn before he's a very kind gentleman i just i still even after that i thought he was they were related so look um this is uh glenn he can't he's accidentally gotten to a group chat like a party chat so nobody can hear what he's talking about so he's just up That's on right. stage while all the hecklings have he can't even say anything and by the time i started to hear talk i immediately left and i was like i can't i can't watch any more of this i need to go <laughs> but this is the thing that this is the thing that kind of irks me ashley they put up there was like it was a great show tonight i was like that's a lie it was not a great show it I was know. bad no. it was a bad show <laughs> i know i lied i lied too because i shared that picture of us on my instagram and i said eric and i had so much fun no, that was also a lie. I didn't have fun. It was it was anxious. It was anxiety. Yeah, but you lie to me all the time. You're like, I'm so happy to see you. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there was that. Uh, but yeah, it was it was overall uh, not good. Um, but I'm glad that we're all here and we can we can commune. Now, yesterday I do have one la- one last little quick story. My sweet mother, who I haven't seen in months because of uh, she Aww. got sick with COVID for weeks on end. Um, mm-hmm. She came uh, to my house yesterday. We watched Encanto with the children, and I didn't watch all of Encanto, uh, but I could tell that it wasn't 
going to be a movie that my mom would enjoy first words out of her <laughs> mouth was the trans ca- character necessary and i was just like <laughs> and then i go hey this is the other real funny part she's like i don't know if i really liked all the music in there i didn't understand any of the words i was just like oh you know most of them translate roughly to die white devil die and like which i said is a joke and then mom goes he's just like they probably do and i was like yes go off queen <laughs> so that was my sweet mother and then uh the last thing uh thir- rent huh was it the same guys that did rent no this is a <laughs> disney production uh of enchanto uh, the newest disney joint it's pixar in, joint it's in canto it's is, in- that like is it in canto i thought it was enchanto I don't you listen I don't speak uh, a German so I didn't know how to how to pronounce it. Is that like the the French circus thing where they're like in tight tight rope things. Yes. Kaja fall I think it's called. Kaja gugu. Yeah, Kaja gugu. So hey last thing and then we got we got I I got to ask Jeremy about his big meeting that he had last week. But Jeremy your your wife had surgery. We won't get into the ins and outs of what the surgery was, but I had to drop by a casserole that my wife made for your for your sweet wife uh Erica made for Jer- Jermica. And I don't know if we're allowed to say your wife's name, so I just said Jermica. So look, Jerick, uh, Jerick. Uh so hey, I even though Jeremy so I, I've had, it's a nice, it's a ch- meaty chicken casserole. It probably weighs like six pounds of like, of goodness in there. And it's just something that, you know, when you're sick, it's it's nice to have a home cooked meal. You just throw in the oven for like, you know, 45 minutes and have like a nice hot meal. So I, I, I get off of work. I drive all the way from Frederick to your, to your home. I was like, you know, if they're not home, no big deal. I'll just leave it. It's cold outside. This casserole can wait out here. Who's going to steal a fucking casserole anyway? Um, but I see, hey, I see Jeremy's truck out front. So I ring the doorbell. I was like, oh, good, Jeremy's here. So I ring the doorbell, and I can hear Michelle screaming inside. And, and like, I was just like, oh, Jeremy's fucking lazy ass not getting up. And after about like three or four minutes elapsed, this is the day she comes home from the hospital. It's Aunt Michelle. I'm sorry, Aunt Jerrica <laughs> coming to the door. And she goes, uh, she goes, oh, yeah. I was just like, sorry, it took me a while. I just had surgery. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm here with a casserole. Where, where the hell's Jeremy? He's supposed to be at the door. He's like, oh, he's at work with my car. So I made her get up, like struggle, <laughs> struggle to come to the door just to get a casserole from me. So I felt really bad about that. And I, I hope she's doing doing better now, Jeremy. I'm so happy that she lied for me because I was actually upstairs and I was naked. <laughs> looking at you through the window and I was masturbating. (laughs) I don't like casseroles no more. (laughs) I'd feel guilty if I actually had a soul. (laughs) Jeremy, we are dying. I am dying to hear about your trip last week to my part of the woods. Yeah, and the big uh, yeah. and the big star you met. We did. We talked about it briefly. But would you like to share anything uh, about meeting uh, meeting said gentleman? My uh, my actor friend, who I'm joined at the hip, Edward X Young, invited me to this event through a promoter that he knows, who is going to have a special viewing of the room. And of course, Edward didn't know shit about it. He's like the room, and I'm first. I'm excited because I'm I my first thing that comes to my mind is the room which is the movie where there's a woman who's a sex slave trapped in a tiny little room 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's a bad. That's a rough watch right there. With a little child that she had out of rape of this guy who who made her a sex slave. It's a tough book. And uh, well, you know, it's 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 a great book, like the Nancy Drew series. But anyway, <laughs> um, I have always compared. I've always compared uh, a book about horrible sexual assault and sex slavery to a Nancy Drew joint. That is well, true. Yeah. Well, you know, when Nancy Drew became a slack slave for a couple of years, it kind of downed the series. Yeah, but. it made me dis. Well, I didn't like the Hardy Boys nearly as much after they did that to her. Ugh. Well, you know what, Eric? I consider you and Jeremy are kind of like my own Hardy Boys, but it's, but you guys are the Tardy Boys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's going on? We're going to stop a movie. <laughs> We're the podcast, and we talk about fun things like wrestling. And, and pies. Uh-huh. So, One time uh, I stared at Brian Preston's book for six minutes and I said I wet it. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of pie? My favorite is, pe- is cherry. It's <laughs> Jeremy's is so real and from the heart, though. Uh, <laughs> I am only a half chromosome away. So. <laughs> So, so, of course, I got really excited. And believe me, I did. I was the only person who built the actual standee for the room in Georgetown. So I knew about the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, no, it's the other room. And I'm like, oh, uh, oh, it's the one that's um, really famous and everything because it's one of the worst movies of all time made mm-hmm. by Tom Wiseau, who kind of has a grasp on the English language and sounds... <laughs> Sounds um, more German than uh, Jurgen Prock now. Hey, and, so Jeremy, uh, I pose the question not only to a- Ashley, but also the people in Die Laughing Productions that I said I'd offer $50 if anybody could guess who you were meeting. Like if you if they could guess the actor's name that you were meeting to miss quality time. And until I, okay. until I narrowed it down, to, I let them narrow it down to the movie and I only gave them one guess and they ne- nobody, nobody fucking got it. It was good. I guess Tommy. Yeah. I guess Tommy Wiseau. But who did you meet actually, Jeremy? The co-star, Greg Cessnero, otherwise known as Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Which oh, I believe, hi, Mark. <coughs> didn't he actually write the book, The Disaster Artist, as well? Yes. Which he was, wrote the book, hence which was made into a film starring uh, Corky Romano, um, that guy from uh, this, the, 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 the Pineapple Adventures. With, the Pineapple Adventures, yes, I remember that. I yeah, re- SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Speaking of, I, I watched a, I watched another movie with that same actor who we probably shouldn't name drop because apparently he's kind of a monster. But uh, I did watch Spider Man Three last night, where he plays, of oh. course, Harry Osborn. Uh, no, he's a bad person. Apparently, he be, he be using his uh, his uh, his power to be banging students at his uh, acting it's, classes. It's so weird. It's almost like he's a DMV booker. <laughs> Uh, it'd, it'd be sad if like the world ended and you were like stuck in his house or something because he probably wouldn't let you know of all this hoarded water he has and everything. Oh yeah, I this is the end. Movie. It is good. So Jeremy, what, what? Where did you guys go? What happened? Did you have dinner with him? Did you hand him anything? Yeah. Well, tell us about it. Come on, this is your chance. We're already twenty-two minutes deep into the movie, into the episode. We got a half hour to go over this movie. Fucking move it along, pal. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we go to this uh, nice sports bar in Harris near Harrisburg, and uh, of course, I look at the menu. Miller lights are three fifty each, but what do I do? I get the beer tower, and the oh. beer tower is it like eight beers, and it's on tap, and it's like a little, like a little giant fish tank that you can hit. Yeah. Them. And I had at least four or five beers and shared a couple beers, and I was lit up by the time Greg Cisneros showed up. So you got uh, hammered before Greg showed up to the to the restaurant. Yeah. And then <laughs> when, he up, when he showed up, man, I was so ready to dance and tear off my tear off pants and just like twerk right in his face. Man, <laughs> by the you know he was crying and screaming for me to stop. When he was like in a fetal position on the ground, I wasn't gonna stop. He's like a star. So, I know that half of this is a joke, but um, the other half is is some real sincerity. I saw you you took a picture, uh, and he was holding your movie, uh, The Killer Clown Meets the Candyman. But if I could be Killer honest clam. with the Killer Clam, yes, the Killer Clown Meets <laughs> the Candyman. But uh, I, I was looking and examining that picture. And if you look at Greg's eyes, he has a look of a man who's just like, why the fuck am I even fucking here right now? Why the fuck? I worked so hard in my life to get to a point. <laughs> and there's a, there's a light that has died in his eyes. Could you elaborate a little bit? That Was he like that or is that just his picture taken face? He, he has the, the look like, no, I'm not really excited about this. He's... He's probably seen enough movie people that just shit on his film and shit on his performance on the regular and not only shit on him, but his, his buddy Tommy, who he's like close as like a brother to. And uh, I've seen him do cameos where he does do impressions of Tommy, though. So he he does. He understands it well enough. And either way, um, it's, it's all good. <laughs> now did you did i hear this correctly you said later in the week did you actually get a message that he did watch the killer clown meets the candy man yeah, I, I got a direct message from the guy that promoted it and was friend he's like oh he watched it he said he was blown away by your movie so. there's okay so i didn't know that it wasn't a direct message from him so this was the promoter that set this up for you two yeah, to meet one, him one in between person what do you think the chances are he actually watched your movie and it is not just actually in the trash can of that same restaurant you were at uh pretty good because you know i not only that i told him my favorite scenes from um from the room and and, oh. and and it, it, I think I think he's looking for talent, so I might be working in hopefully a Tommy Wiseau film someday. That would Tommy. be pretty good, man. Jeremy, Jeremy in a movie with Mark Sotero and uh, or Greg Sotero and and Tommy Wiseau. That would be a big leap. Would you now? If you both, let's say this. Let me pose this question to you. You and Edward Young. Uh, there's only one part in the movie, and you both have to try out for it. Um, but only one of you gets it. Let's say it's you. Do you think that would put a strain on your relationship with Edward Young X? Oh hell no! I'm 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 making you and you and Ed are the star of Baby Eater. I mean, Edward's definitely more of the straight guy in the movie. You are the the, the, the true uh, comedy of the movie. But, uh, you know, I mean, you got to have the straight man with the funny man. So, Well, that's good. I'm excited. Did you try to pitch uh, Greg Baby Eater at all? Uh, yes, I did. And I told him the tagline, which is Baby Eater, the worst taste in horror, which he's like, I like that. 
Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Did you say, did you broach him, did you broach him with possibly uh, asking to see what it would cost to have him do a cameo role in Baby Eater? No, but I said, look, just a million dollars and I can get this film off the ground. I think we could do it for million five. Uh, <laughs> How about a couple hundred bucks? Do you have anything in your pocket right now? <laughs> Well, that's good, man. I'm glad you had a. I'm glad you had a fun time with them and everything. Ashley, uh, d- is it true? Do you still have an honest Ash? I do. It, it sounds like this was a deep exhale. Here we go. Oh, and it's about that time again for another segment of Honest Ash. And here's Ashley Pontius. Oh, hello, listeners. Every night when I get into bed. For some reason, I take my contacts out of my eyes while I'm in bed, and then I throw them into bed with me like the garbage person that I am. This has been Honest Ash. (laughs) Tune in next week where we hear about what Honest Ash does with all of her tampons. Okay. I don't know why I do it. I know it's gross. I will literally sit there watching TV. I could be reading a book. I reach into my eyeball, pluck out my contact, and like a booger, I just go, boop. Uh, I used to watch. <laughs> that is gross. Are these disposable ones, though? You can just get rid of them? Or these well, are reusable I, I have... ones? Oh, my God. No, no. Um, I have dailies. Because so every day I have to open uh, okay. it. Because the idea that you're just doing that and then the next morning you're like, I gotta find my contacts and you're ripping it off the cotton on your fucking comforter like this. Well, so like, Well, so the reason they need to be moist when you open a pack and then like in your eyeball uh, is they dry out. So if you are done with the contact the next day. It is like a cum stain. It is just stuck together. It just doesn't. It's crunchy. It's like a. It's like those things you eat. Those fire Doritos. It just. I used to have. Um. I. I played. Obviously, it's been mentioned before on the show. I played rugby for many years, and uh, many. I played with many people who wear contacts too, because you can obviously can't wear glasses playing, right? But it's a mm-hmm. contact sport. Sometimes you get one jarred loose or something. You got it gets falls out, and I remember my friend Andrew getting his knocked out of his head, and then he's looking around on the ground. He finds it, picks it up. Sticks it in his mouth, does a little swirly swirl with it, and then just goes bloop right back in the eyeball. And I was just like, all right, brother, okay. Because it was like in the dust. And he was just like, well, I can't stick that in my eye. Ah, and no. then right no. back, just just like the spitty kiss from uh, Cruel Intentions to his eyeball. That's fucking gross. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never, I've never done that. But I'm saying I don't know why. I don't know why I'm a gross garbage person about my contacts. I just, I can't be bothered to get up and throw them in the trash at that moment. So I just pluck them out wherever I am and go. Whoop! I guess I'm blind now. And then I just start over. I don't know why I'm like. <laughs> you know, one might think that might be a bad thing, but like if it was Jesus, you'd be cured of blindness. Mm. Well, you know what's you know what's funny, Jeremy? I've done this so many times that my bed now looks like a biblically accurate description of an angel. Oh, so it looks like the Shroud of Turin. Cool. I mean, I will say that that uh, the Bible wouldn't read the same if if it said you know Jesus curing the blind is a lot better than Jesus curing somebody's astigmatism. I will say it is a more powerful comment. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, uh, speaking of Jesus and all things fucking uh, uh, Lori, I am um, Ashley. You're, uh, you look like you need something out before we do this. Sorry, you you froze on us again, so I didn't want to interrupt you. But um, I just wanted to point out that the reason I do it, because I want to justify myself for a second. The reason I do it is because Jesus said, if your eye is causing you to sin, pluck it out. So I take out my contacts before I watch porn. <laughs> there you go. I can't see it. These titties are too blurry. Uh, and now it's Japanese. <laughs> I also, I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, criticize God because I think he knows what he's doing, but I think it would have been much more impressive if God did, if, if Jesus did like, like, um, laser surgery, like Superman, like from his eyes and just like did like laser beams into other people's eyes to do some corrective surgery. That would have been pretty impressive. Very cool, Jeremy. That was a lot of words to just say. I'd like to see God do laser surgery with his eyeballs. Because like, like um, Superman, Superman's like a god. That He's is like, true. He is true. Holler injustice. Um, so anyway, let's get into tonight's tale because the NFL playoffs are on, and I would like to see the Cincinnati Bengals somehow pull this one out today. But we're <laughs> today we're going over the 2004 remake, and dare I say. I put it in the Mount Rushmore of remakes ever made of great films. 2004's Dawn of the Dead, a Zack Snyder joint. Um, and this is, uh, I like that we get Zack Snyder before he just did only slow motion movies. Like, this is a nice raw film that he got to do. Um is it particularly original in any way, shape, or form? I would say no. I would say it's not a particularly original film. It really rips off of, A, the original Dawn of the Dead, as it's named, and also rips off 2002's 28 Days Later because they have running zombies. And they were like, yo, what if we just remade Dawn of the Dead? Get this. James, get in here. What if we remade Dawn of the Dead? But you do some of your fucking funny lines and write some things for Ty Burnell, and then fucking we just have running zombies. Do you think that would work in the in the mall? And that really is what the movie is. And but I, God damn it, I love this film from beginning to end. Uh, and I think you get a, I don't know. Let me let's start from the beginning though. Uh, Zack Snyder obviously wanted this is his first feature film that he ever got to direct. Uh, he'd obviously go on to do big blockbuster movies like 300 and everything for Warner Brothers in the DC Extended Universe. Uh, but it's also good because it was written by the great James Gunn, uh, who obviously from Guardians of the Galaxy, most recently the the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. Um, it just and two years later after this in 2006 he'd go on to go make um slither another great film uh and and go on to his own directorial prowess from here um but let me let do a couple of little connections because we've done the original dawn of the dead on uh, this podcast before uh let's go and make some ties back to the original uh, uh in appearances okay so uh in, from the OG cast, there are three people. Jeremy, do you know the three people from the original Dawn of the Dead that appear in this Dawn of the Dead movie? You mean for real or just in name? Um. Okay, yeah, there is a fourth one who technically her name is in it. But yeah, if you give it all to me. Let's see what you got. 
obviously there's the preacher that's ken foray correct uh, yes scott reniger otherwise known as uh trooper is the uh one of the uh colonels i believe doing an interview on the television that is correct uh, as well i'm savini otherwise known as the uh guy the the uh sheriff who says uh one of them's a twitcher that is and true got all of them so far galen ross is mentioned as one of the uh the clothing names in the in, in uh when uh the, the sexy chick is or no no maybe the guy is like trying on shoes because he's gay that is true so yeah one of the clothing stores in the mall is named galen ross galen ross of course played fran from the original dawn of the dead in 78 um now here's a couple other little ties though to horror uh mythology here so uh, did you know that uh, Heather Lankenkamp, who played Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street uh, series, was actually a member of this production crew? So another no. little thing right there. Hey, hey, ca- can I hit you with another one? Can I hit you with another one? You guys for me familiar with the great David Cronenberg? Mm-hmm. Well, you know who, who worked on this? His sister, Denise Cronenberg, was a costume designer for the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. so Jeremy thought that was a bit. It's a true story. Denise Cronenberg is part of it. So you got like a nice pedigree of uh, of just from the old school to here. A lot of good hands in on here making this thing work. Yeah. All I, all I, all I think about during the credits of Walking Dead is Gail Ann Hurd, who is uh, married to uh, James Cameron. So. That's true. That is true. Um, now, Zack Snyder uh, actually handpicked every cast member for this movie. Um, everyone from uh, uh, Sarah Polly, who we've actually just had done an episode pretty recently with Splice, where she was featured as uh, as one of the leads in it. Uh, Ving Rhames, who as soon as he heard this movie was being remade, he actually went out and uh, to find Zack Snyder because he wanted to be... Um, in the movie uh and his reasoning behind it he was just like it's a movie where the black guy lives so i have to come uh real story about why ving rames wanted to be it and of course his name is kenneth which is of course a callback to ken forey who was the original black guy from the 1978 version of dawn of the dead uh you also have makai pfeiffer who is uh probably at like starting to crest as in the early 2000s of his acting career. Um, you also get Jake Weber, who plays uh, Michael in this movie. Uh, and and Jake Weber is, uh, of course, from Meet Joe Black, Medium, U571. But the guy who actually also read for that same part uh, as Michael was Nathan... Uh, um, Phil, what did I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Nathan Fillion, isn't that the guy from uh, from Firefox or from Firefly, as well as Slither uh, later on? But he lost it out to this guy. Um, <clears throat> before he became a big name, you get Ty Burnell, of course, when he would blow up and be uh, uh, part of the Modern Family crew. Uh, and I do have a little clip of Ty talking about playing an asshole consistently. So here's here's a, this is from the Conan O'Brien show. And let's give this a listen. People are start, you know, thinking that maybe you're, you're a jerk, and you know, could you maybe take some parts that aren't quite so, you know, mean or or terrible? And so the last movie that I did where I was playing just a horrible, horrible human being, I, I actually had to skirt around. I tried to describe. She was like, "So tell me about the movie. Tell me about the part." And I was like, "Well, he's he's a very hard worker. (laughs) He's he loves." He loves people, mainly 
mainly women, but but people. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, he's urged to find a, another job where his drive, you know, his drive will be met with. Uh, she was like, "You're playing another asshole, aren't you?" <laughs> there you go. So no, he, he does play a great I, cock, though. Yes, so he does. And I actually remember one other thing I saw him in before he ever did Modern Family. And this is so fucking stupid. I saw him in um, the Nick Cage movie Na- uh, National Treasure 2, where he plays <laughs> a stupid, hapless uh, White House worker. So <laughs> he's had a great <coughs> career up until now. That's awesome. Uh, you also so get. He, so he plays George Stephanopoulos. Yeah, George Stephanopoulos. You also get Michael Kelly, uh, who plays CJ in this movie. And this is, I think, the last role where he could pretend that he wasn't bald yet. Like, if you watch Dawn of the Dead, he still has just enough hairline where he's just like, I'm a guy with hair. But I don't remember a role after this where he didn't have to, like, shave his head and, like, show people that he was bald. Uh, he would, I know him most famously uh, uh, from the show uh, House of Cards because he's a uh, friend. Frank, uh, Frank's main guy that like basically murders people and covers up all the horrible shit that he does in House of Cards. Uh, hmm. um, but he's he's really good. Um, you also get uh, uh, Boyd Banks who plays Tucker, uh, who is he's a he's like the kind of the comic relief in this in this movie. But he's also in another uh, horror classic uh, and a cup and another George Romero movie as well. He's Fat Lou in Jason X, and uh, he's also in the movie uh, Land of the Dead as the Butcher. So uh, another zombie film and George Romero tie Boyd Banks. Uh, and then the last one that I just want to mention out of everybody who's in this movie, uh, way down here, fucking Max Headroom. Am I just, oh, am I frozen for you guys? It's working great over we, here. Uh, we just keep making fun of you. Sorry. I know. <laughs> you have uh, Matt Fewer, uh, who plays yeah. Frank, uh, who has a nice little role about, uh, who just plays a really, a dad who gets bit, and we'll get to him in just a bit. I love I love everything he's in, even when they're terrible <laughs> movies. I I love seeing him in everything. He is, you know, he's he's just a fun guy to see. He's a fun guy to see. Um, he, he is my favorite actor that looks like a permanent case, cancer patient. I love him. That is true. That is true. Um, so the uh, the movie opens up, uh, and uh, you get just a little bit of backstory about uh, Sarah Polly's character. She's a nurse. She's having a great time. The outbreak is just starting to uh, uh, happen, but people don't really know about it. But uh, she wakes up in a full on zombie apocalypse by uh, by the morning time. And uh, I love this opening scene where the little girl is just in their room, bites her fucking yes. husband's neck off, uh, and then. I I swear to God I've watched this scene and it's never not shocking is when she goes and stumbles into the bed uh, into the bath and fucking that whatever stunt double that is that takes that bump into the bathroom I'm like every time I watch it I'm like they were seriously fucking injured right there like that had to yeah. hurt so bad I had the same thoughts about that scene but the other scene for me minutes later. That is my go-to scene. The very few times I've watched this movie is watching her neighbor get run over by an ambulance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 
is my favorite. I'm like, oh, every time I just get excited, I just physically react. I'm like, oh, you got him. Like, I love it. <laughs> I do love that part. Also, the funniest part is that they're sleeping, right? It, it says it's like six o'clock in the morning or something, and they go outside. Hey, so this little girl comes in, bites her husband's neck off. She she narrowly escapes out of the window, right? Uh, and as she's outside, the whole block is on fire. She's like she, nothing, none of this woke her up at any point. She's like, "Oh my god, what is going on out here?" <laughs> Can I just point out? I you boys don't have to agree, but I have to reiterate, listeners, for the millionth time, this is why I live in the middle of nowhere. This this reason because suburbia could go fucking wild and ape shit at any moment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah at yeah. any point, you city dwellers, you're you're fucking meals. Okay? I mean, Me I out- I feel like I I mean, listen, if if the zombie apocalypse is what you're scared of, I feel like the setting of the first movie is literally your your house. So I mean. <laughs> That's the night of the living dead is where is in the country. And it looked like it didn't turn out good. You do you know why it was set in the country? Sorry, Jeremy, give me one second. Do you know why it was set in the country? I'm sorry, why? Low low production. You know how hard it is to build a city, film in a city, how expensive that shit is? You right. You know why they come to bumfuck nowhere? Because we will take any money you offer us. I like it because the thing they had to spend the most money on was making a black person come there. Um, (laughs) So uh, I do love, though, the opening scene. Uh, There's that high pan that like follows her as she's driving through the suburbs like that. And you'll you'll actually at one point see like this giant truck go off and take out these gas uh, pumps and it explode, which is actually a callback to the original Night of the Living Dead because if you remember, Ben says he was just like, yeah, I was at a diner. Truck lost control, took out all the pumps and that's like how his story started. So it was a nice little callback to that. It's also a callback to my morning. (laughs) Also a callback to the original Dawn of the Dead because the chopper is the same uh, chopper from the station. That is true. That is true. So uh, eventually, though, I think so. Eventually, uh, she uh, she comes across uh, like a, a a stop where like some lady's getting torn apart by a fuck in the back of a bus. Some guy tries to steal her car, and she, it's it's worth renting. She drives in a late '90s Toyota Corolla, which uh, I will say was my neighbor Greg's car. Same vehicle he had, uh, very reliable. Smoked a lot of weed in that exact same model and color car, so it really brings me back didn't really even touch me because i usually see children being molested and killed in the back of buses in baltimore every day i mean that's just we just call that a tuesday in east balmer um so uh she uh, eventually crashes the car and so starts our opening uh uh music segment i played a little bit of the tune earlier but it's johnny cash's when the man comes around and i do love this intro to the thing and that is like a signature of Zack snyder's movies is that he always has a very intricate opening uh musical segment that starts everything off um now i did have this little thing uh that i wrote down that uh, title designer Kyle Cooper used actual human blood when designing the film's opening and closing credit sequences. So that little wipe away blood that you see, that's fucking real blood that he used to make it happen. Yeah, you are welcome, Eric. 
<laughs> Ashley, do they give you a credit in the film for that? <laughs> no, no, I show up later in the movie. Uh-huh. Wait a one. second, Jill. This is human blood. Yes, that is true. You're talking about me. It's pig's blood. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great prom. (laughs) This this particular song, though, was actually uh, insisted on by Zack Snyder. Uh, The the studio didn't want this. They were like, you're going to open this with this song? And they were like, yes, we're going to do it. I mean, it is a great song. It's a fucking good-ass song uh, to open it up with. Uh, And if you... Uh, if you watch very closely during this opening sequence, you can actually see the great Zack Snyder in one of the scenes. Uh, it's the one where they're on Capitol Hill and like there's like the armed guard that's in front of him. He's one of the armed yeah. guard guys that's actually shooting the machine gun in that one scene there. So, uh, And a lot of this is actually just B-roll regular fucking news footage that they found uh, that they spliced in with all the rest of the zombie shots and stuff like that. Like that scene where the bus is running over people uh, in that truck is that truck is just running over a crowd of people. Uh, that's just actual people getting run over from the news that we're watching right there, which uh, uh, is pretty shocking to, to know now in retrospect. <laughs> this episode is PTSD. <laughs> you want to watch a horror film or watch the news? <laughs> I'll watch the horror movie. I know that's not real. So uh, <laughs> they meet up with, uh, she wakes up and sees Ving Rames, who points a shotgun at her. Luckily, she could still talk and use her words. Otherwise, she was about to catch a 12-gauge right to the chops. Uh, they posse up with uh, and meet up with Mackay Pfeiffer's character, Andre, his sweet uh, Eastern European Luda, who is very pregnant. Uh, Jake Weber is Michael and... Um, that is, uh, yeah, I think that's it. That's it. that's all the people right there. I said that, <laughs> and uh, so they immediately say you shouldn't go that way. It's really bad. And hey, look, there's a giant mall here. Maybe we should just go in and uh, do that. They're they're able to break into a signed entrance without, uh, but not before having to shoot a one armed zombie who was an actual amputee, uh, which is also another tactic that George Romero would use. Is he used two amputees in his films all the time to make really cool looking zombies? And in this one, there happens to be two. This is one of them. Hey, top five, just, amp, top five amputee uh, actors of all time. Um, Danny DeVito. Because um, he, <laughs> he used to be actually like six foot tall. Those are his little, they cut him off at the shins like Hank Hill's dad. It's a little known fact. Uh, so I'd say he's the strongest amputee actor. What are yours, Jeremy? Okay. The one is the uh, the black guy from Toxic Avenger that gets his arm ripped off and, and Toxic Avenger beats people up with the arm. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I can't think of any other good ones except for the... Uh, the, the, the uh, he could have been a midget or he could have been an amputee in uh, Return of the Living Dead that was eating somebody's brain. And then when uh, the guy shoots him, he's like, brains, and follows after him on his like little nubby leg. Oh, yeah. Half things. So I definitely he could have been an amputee or a midget. It was hard to call. Or I mean little person. <clears throat> um anyway, so uh other other great amputees. Uh, you, you just named the other guy, so what the hell not. Um I would <laughs> I would say that um 
the the other amputee that I really like is um I'm trying to remember his name exactly, but oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Vigo Martinson from uh, Carlito's Way, another great amputee. Oh my, the other amputee, I, and I, I, I count him as an amputee just because of how much of his fate, original face has been removed. Mickey Rourke, really good actor, deserves to be on the amputee list. He's basically doesn't even have the same face anymore. Oh, what, what about creepy no face guy from uh, Empire Empire State? Oh, fuck yeah. No, no, no. I'm in on that. I'm in on that. So, uh, um, can I I, I, I want to play. Sorry, I don't want to hold us up, yeah, but yeah, I want to yeah. play. Um, I'm going to say my favorite. I won't call them an amputee, but I will call them favorite deformed person. Um, I love Gary Oldman in Hannibal when his face is all fucked up. Uh, go him, you know. Well, Gary well, Oldman. Fuck- do you want to Let's know that? Do you want to know the oh, real oh. thing? Uh, that, sorry, Jeremy, I didn't mean to cut you off. But like, uh, oh, do you know porn, porn star John Wayne Bobbitt? Oh, but John oh, Wayne Bobbitt. Actually, what I was what I was going to tell you though is I I know you were you mentioned the great Gary Oldman. He's actually such a good actor. None of that was actually makeup. He just acted so good that you believed that he was he looked like that, which is yeah, strong. Cool. It says a lot about his skills. Well, the first time I ever laughed at it, I called myself an amputee. (laughs) (laughs) Gary Oldman actually had his face fed to dogs just for that role. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, first we get to see Michael go and enter the sports sporting goods store while they're checking this out. And I love the scene where he runs into him. He, he has a crowbar, which is a good weapon to have. Like it's heavy, it's metal. And he was just like, nah, you know what? This fucking croquet mallet ought to do it, which weighs like two pounds and will very easily break the second you try to use it on something. (laughs) It's a very dumb decision that he made. Uh, but of course he finds a zombie in there. Uh, they struggle on the ground, but eventually he, uh, it is probably one of the cooler kills in the movie is he takes the broken handle of the croquet mallet, shoves it up underneath his chin and through the top of his head. And whatever the fucking prosthetic that they made for this head, it looks so goddamn realistic that I was just like, they just, I mean, they killed somebody. They actually murdered somebody to make this happen. I'm pretty sure in the new walking dead. Now that Negan lost his, uh, his Lucille, he's using a croquet mallet. That's true. Like the original I, Shining book. Yes. Well, I love that move through the skull. Like Eric said, I love that move. I call it the McDonald's straw. <laughs> uh, How are you bleeding so bad? You lost like a pint of blood. McDonald's straw. And <laughs> I'm driving with the other hand. So uh, they also get attacked out by the fountain and uh, Mackay Pfeiffer's girl gets inadvertently bit, but nobody seems to notice it. That'll come in important, uh, become important later uh, as Ving Rhames is struggling with this zombie inside of the fountain. Uh, sweet Anna picks up his shotgun and gives him a clips him real good with the shotgun. And he becomes what we'll soon find a, uh, find out is a twitcher. Uh, uh, which is pretty cool. They head upstairs, though, after that and take the elevator, and they get to meet CJ, our overly uh, enthusiastic security guard at a mall. Fits it to a T. Definitely, if he was here today, uh, would not be vaccinated, would be very much against uh, Biden's administration. You could just feel it and sense it in him. Well, can I just say... 
uh, before, without jumping way ahead of us, I like CJ's character development in this movie. He does. He goes from, he goes from person who, uh, from isolationist to a bit of a a sacrificial hero, which is nice. I like that. Um, they, uh, he learns a lot from Cosmo. That is true. So uh, he has to the 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 gang of uh, of our heroes right now has to disarm to the three security guards there. Uh, I do like uh, the other one is like one is like young and it's like his first day and he's going to fall in love later. Whatever. He's useless in the story. He's way too beautiful to be a security guard. It's ridiculous. But the other guy I like to call Captain Dumpy. I don't know his real name in the movie, but this Um, guy. Eric, this is a famous actor slash sports hero. It's otherwise known as Peyton Manning. That is... <laughs> he does look like Peyton Manning. He's got a fucking seven head. It is huge. Um, yeah, it's... That is the greatest quarterback of all time. In this movie. <laughs> it's weird. That's so funny you bring that up, Jeremy, because I was waiting. I thought it was weird that Eric didn't recognize him, even from kissing his dad on the mouth. <laughs> So uh, they uh, they are able they have to disarm them. Um, and this is another trope that you'll see in a lot of uh, Zack Snyder films are rooms filled with TVs where everybody's watching TV. It happens in almost every modern film that he makes outside of the movie 300 is there's at some part there's a giant room of TVs that somebody is watching. And uh, this is no different. You get to see the great Tom Savini talk about he's like, you got to shoot him in the head. Oh, put that one down it's a twitcher good scene overall there by the way there was only one time i met tom savini and he was selling she's a twitcher t-shirts which he never sold again oh man that was a collector's item should have picked one up and also i i hate to uh switch movies but one of my favorite scenes in uh 12 monkeys is where they're not trying to be recognized but they kiss and they look around the camera is on them and there's a hundred tvs with their image on the tv behind them (laughs) (laughs) this is the next thing so i wrote this down so when i take notes for this movie if i have a physical copy i usually don't pull a lot of audio from it because i can if i watch it on my computer it's different and my computer doesn't play blu-rays which seems like a big lapse in my judgment but um so look like Ashley, you'll find this funny. The character Michael in this movie, I referred to in my notes as Christopher Lawrence. Okay. And I don't, he just has Chris Lawrence vibes. I don't know how to explain it, but I know you would think that's funny. Yes. No. Am I wrong on that? No, it took me, it took me a second because you know what? Chris Lawrence has been on my mind a lot lately because I even just yesterday wrote a Valentine's Day poem about Chris. It goes, roses are red. Chris loves the crow. Why he loves that fucking movie, I'll never fucking know. <laughs> it is a bizarre. Like if you played a game show, is guess what his favorite movie is? Crow would be wouldn't be in the top fifty. You'd guess. I would guess like the Music Man would be my number one. Just looking at him, um, the, the Crow is the secular version of Bible Man. <laughs> I watch bad movies and make commentary about them with my friend Joel. (laughs) (laughs) So Michael and his low and soothing voice convinces CJ that maybe they should paint some signs on the roof because he probably already thought of that. And he goes, yeah, we can go get some there. Um, And then uh, they go and throw some dead bodies off of the top. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You forgot the message that they put on the roof. SOS. 
It says send nudes. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that would be great. As and they actually at one point see a chopper go by. It would be great if they just fluttered out a whole bunch of nudes. Like they were like, we know it's tough times. Here's here's titties. It would be funny if they're trying to reach the helicopter after Jeremy's idea where it says send nudes and then and then the next sign goes new phone who dis <laughs> This episode of uh, Ancient Aliens apparently the Aztecs had made the largest pictures from the ground of giant dicks so the aliens knew that they'd see the giant just biggest dick pics in all of history proving the aliens exist <laughs> so uh it's also worth mentioning when they're throwing the dead bodies off of that that was actually filmed at like a different location where they do the little toss off of the roof and uh while they were filming that that was actually across the street of uh, a funeral home that was having a funeral service while it was happening <laughs> they were just throwing dead bodies off the roof <laughs> oh it's a good bit it's a good bit so um <laughs> Did you miss? Did you miss everything I said? Oh yeah, my internet connection is unstable. That's not good. Anyway, just like my emotions. <laughs> we also meet Andy, the guy at the uh, gun store across the street. Which uh, I only know this because I've watched the extra features on it before. But Andy has a whole side story that is filmed in like uh um what what's like Blair Witch style like found footage of Andy's uh-huh. whole story that was like in the original uh DVD release of dawn of the dead and it is a really fun watch at one point because like his whole struggle is like i got all the guns i could shoot as many of these motherfuckers as i want but i ain't got no food and eventually like after because it's the the movie's supposed to take place over a month's period of time uh andy actually has to eat his goldfish at one point and he's very sad that he had to eat his pet goldfish he's like i just needed something to eat like this so he's just he's very hungry well I call bullshit on this whole story. Um, you modify how many Uzis, and the zombie apocalypse is over. You know, because you can fucking <laughs> chop these motherfuckers in half. You don't have to do headshots. You can you can make your own fucking ghost ship. Uh, you know, twine ball and take these fuckers out. You have unlimited ammunition, motherfucker. I always think my, my biggest problem with any zombie apocalypse is like there, there's a base, right? There's an army base somewhere. Right. And that base has tanks, and like how there's not enough zombies and I don't care if they're running, if they're walking, you just go street by street and you just start driving. Right. And then if you run out, maybe you need some guys with guns so you can refuel the, the, the tank killing zombie mobile for a couple minutes. And then you just drive all day. It's like a snowplow of murder. And by the way, that's the, that's the way I play call of duty. And that's the only way I kill people. That is true. Over. So, <laughs> And that brings us to an end of part one of Dawn of the Dead 2004. It's been a very exciting episode up until this point. And uh, I hope you join us again next week. Um, all things Ashley Pontius at AshleyPontiusLaughs.com. Bunch of shows coming up. And you can catch me and Ashley up at Waynesboro. Tickets and shit for that will be up at, uh, I don't know, my website, I guess, ericcomedy.com, Eric with a K, comedy with a C. Jerry has a calendar coming out, and I'm going to take us out. 
is really dope. Like, really, there's like two songs. Jeremy has a banger. I have a banger. I mean, usually part twos aren't really strong, but this one's fucking good. I hope you're ready. Get your fucking ear pussies ready.